Well, you may be seated. Again, thank you for being with us this morning. Uh, I'm so thrilled you're here. I do know uh, that you lost an hour's sleep last night. Uh, I had to depart from what I normally do with springing forward. Uh, generally speaking, I've just learned over the years that it's much more sensible for me if I'll just set my clock forward uh, way earlier in the day. And so I don't feel like I lost an hour's sleep because I go to sleep at the n- new time, not the old time. But I was afraid to do that because I had a mid-afternoon wedding yesterday. And I just thought, you know, I'm just trying to be cautious. Generally, a bride and groom does not appreciate it if you show up at the wrong time. And so I just waited until after the wedding, then I turned it forward. So, hey, I, I can't speak for you, but I, I feel really good. I got a good night's sleep. If you did not, I'm sorry. I'll ask you to catch up on that hour this afternoon and not during my message. So if you would uh, if you would be cooperative in that regard, I sure would appreciate it. I know it's dark in here. I know it's comfortable in here. I uh, ask them to really, really juice up the coffee today. So... You know, it's a combination of coffee, monster drink, and several other things, a concoction of things to just, not really, that didn't happen. But uh, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about becoming uh, financially fit, and the Bible has a lot to say about it. There's an abundance of wisdom and truth that the Bible has to say about what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, and I've really, really worked hard uh, to make it as practical for us as possible, you know, searching the scriptures. Now, how can we take this and make it applicable to our lives? And I can't, uh, you know, help but say this past week, I just wondered um, how many of you after Sunday, it's just going, you don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to nod, but I just had this thought How many of you maybe left here last Sunday and you said, you know what, I'm going to practically put this to, uh, you know, to work. I don't have a budget. I don't have a family budget. I don't know where my money is going. You know what I said last week? You know, we hear money talks, but money does not talk. It quietly waltz away. You have no idea where it's going unless you have a budget. If you have a budget, you can tell your money where to go. And so I was just praying prior to last Sunday, God, help there to be so many people that don't have this in place in their life, in their family, in their individual life, if they're not married. I pray that there'll be many people who will seize that opportunity. And many people would just say, you know what? I'm going to start paying myself. I know what the Bible says. God needs to be the top priority. So the first 10 is going to go to God. But instead of the remaining 90, going to everybody else, because I not only work for the company that I work for, but I'm also working for the cell phone company and the insurance company and the electric company and the mortgage company because I'm paying everybody but me. I just, you know, wanted to provoke you in a positive way that you'd leave here and you'd say, you know what? I'm going to start paying myself. I'm going to start planning for the future. And the Bible says there's wisdom in that. There's wisdom when you invest for the future in savings, and you are going to retire one day. I know you don't feel like you are, but if Jesus doesn't come first, you're going to retire one day, and you're going to be so glad that you're playing. So we've been really practical. I even told you, you know, generally speaking, I don't know that I'm always going to do it, but generally speaking, when I buy a car, I drive it into the dirt. And I shared with you how that I traded a vehicle about four years ago. I told you that story. And then it hit me later. I never told you the best part of the story. How many of you remember that story? You know, I had to ride in the back because the passenger's, uh, you know, side on the front wouldn't open and all, all of that. But I failed to tell you, and I don't know why. Regrettably, I did not tell you the whopping amount that I got on the trade-in value for that car. You're going to be so pleased, so surprised. They gave me a $450 credit. And they were being generous. 
And then I was actually, the next day, this past Monday, I was actually out um, mowing my yard. I was in the backyard, and, and I'm like, you know what? Why didn't I tell them about the time that I, I sold a car? I really, I'm not making this up. I sold a car at a yard sale. <laughs> I, I'm like, you know, I need to sell this car. And, you know, I've ran it into the ground. Another one, I've ran into the ground, and I need to sell it. And I had a good friend said, well, you know what? I've got a yard sale coming up in a couple of weeks. I said, could I put my car? And, and he said, of course you can. And, and I sold it. Well, buy 10 shirts, get a car free. No, I didn't do it that way. I, that was not the deal. That was not the deal. But uh, I sold that car at, at a yard sale. And I'm not saying I won't do it again in the future. It, it, it worked. But we've been talking about a lot of things. And, you know, the reality is I, I want you to be a fit person. I, I really, really mean that. I want you to be fit spiritually, primarily spiritually. I want you to be fit where that, you know, your, your uh, devotional habits and your spiritual practices are such that, you know, the Bible, in fact, says this, take the time and trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. And I hope you're doing that. Taking the time and trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. I, as your pastor, I want you to be spiritually fit. I want you to be emotionally fit. I, I really do. And that's a big part of our life, the emotional life. And the emotions are okay because God created us with emotions. And I want you to be emotionally fit. I want you to be physically fit. I want you to be healthy. I want you to feel good. I want you to have high levels of energy. I want you to be able to, you know, live a good long life if, if, God, if that's God's plan. And I want you to take care of the body that God has entrusted to you. I, I want you to be physically fed. I care about you. That matters to me. And I want you, and it's what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, I, I want you to be financially fed. Because when you think about money and when you think about budgets and when you think about finances, here's what I want you to have. I want you to have this sense of peace. I really do. I, I don't want you every time you think about it to just feel like, you know, I feel pressure. In, in fact, you know, Pastor Jeff, I prefer that you not even talk about it because I'm under so much pressure, you know, that uh, even just the mention of it causes me stress in my life. But if we don't talk about it, you're going to stay in that same old uh, problematic situation that you're in, and I don't want you to stay there. I want you to get out of there. And you're not going to be in there overnight. You didn't get where you're at overnight. You're not going to get out of there overnight. But you've got to have a plan. And that's why we've been looking at the Bible to see what is the Bible's plan about becoming financially fit. And I'm very, very excited about uh, what we're going to be talking about uh, today. I've talked about this before. You know, I've given a lot of talks from the Bible over the years. Uh, but uh, I don't know that I've ever taught this principle. It's a law. It's actually a spiritual law. I don't know that I've talked it out in, in as much detail. D as much detail does not mean long, but as detailed as I'm going to talk about it today, about a spiritual law. Now, you and I know that there are natural laws are, and there's physical laws that are, that are just in place, and we could talk about many of them. There's natural laws and there's spiritual laws. I'll give you a natural law. You know this law. You don't think about it. You take it for granted. We all take it for granted, and that is it's a natural law. It's a physical law. How many of you are appreciative of the law, the natural law of gravity? How many of you know that's, that's a good law? The law of gravity. Einstein, in fact, said concerning the law of gravity, he said, I, I can't understand it. I, I can't fully comprehend it. In fact, Einstein said, nobody can really fully 
understand the law of gravity. And I don't pretend that I understand the law of gravity because I know that I do not, but I am thankful for it. And one of the reasons just here now that I'm thankful for it is while during this talk, you're not floating around in the ceiling. That's, you, you know, you're like, you're on terra firma. Your, your feet are, are down on earth. And I'm glad. How many of you are appreciative that the law of gravity is consistently reliable, that it's not like just in place on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays? You know, that you always have the law of gravity. The law of gravity is a natural or a physical law. Now, I want to talk to you today about a spiritual law uh, that I do not fully understand. I can't tell you I understand. You'd have to have the mind of God to completely understand it. None of us have fully the mind of God. But this is a spiritual law that has been proven for thousands of years. And I'm excited to talk to you about it today. And I want you to just stay fully dialed in for about the next 20 to 25 minutes. And I want to talk to you about the law of sowing and reaping. The law of sowing and reaping. It is a spiritual law, and it is just as every much a reality and dependable as the law of gravity. Now, this is a spiritual law that affects numerous, numerous areas of our lives. All kind of areas, uh, we could talk about the law of sowing and reaping. It, it's engaged in money, and we're talking about becoming financially fit, so we're going to focus on that aspect of it. But the law of sowing and reaping, the spiritual law, works in so many different areas of our life. And just before we dive into it, and I'm going to give you six principles straight out of the Bible concerning the law of sowing and reaping. But before we do, I want you to take a look at this verse up on the screen. It's Proverbs eleven eighteen. Proverbs eleven eighteen says this, the wicked man earns deceptive wages. Talking about a, a dishonest ways of making money. Uh, the wicked man earns deceptive wages. Now read the rest of it with me, everybody, all of us together, help me out. But he who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward. You sow this, guess what you reap? You sow righteousness, you're going to reap a righteous reward. Now, uh, farming, is, as you well know, has been going on for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. But as, you know, like everything else in life, it, is not as, uh, it was not as complex as it is today in, in terms of maybe the complexity of the machinery has made it a more simplified process. So, you know, farming, farming way back then was not like, okay, you know, I'm going to take one seed, make one hole in the ground, and I'm going to put that one seed, and I'm going to do that forever and forever. It's not the kind of machinery that, you know, punches a hole in the ground, just, just go, the complexity of that and the advancement of that. In fact, uh, hundreds of years ago, the whole idea of uh, sowing or planting, it was this idea of actually a word that was used in association with it was broadcasting. And you've seen images in your mind, and this is the way it was done. Like somebody would have like a big sling or pouch on their side, and they would just take a handful of seed, and they would sow it, or they would, they would broadcast the seed in hopes that there would come a harvest, sowing and reaping. So what I want to do on this final Sunday of our series, I want to give you these six truths. I want you to be sure you get them down. There's an outline in your bulletin. If you can see, you can use that. Or if you want to make a note on your phone or tablet, if that's easier for you, then you, you can do that. But six truths, it won't take me very long, but I want you to be sure you get them. All right, here we go. Number one, everything starts as a seed. Everything. 
everything starts as a seed. You know, plants, vegetation, uh, a thought, an idea, a dream. You've heard this expression, a seed thought. Everything starts as a seed. Even your life and my life starts as a result of a seed. And the Bible addresses this. In fact, in the very first chapter of Genesis, we, we see this whole idea of a seed principle, how that God created this entire world around this principle, the seed. And this shows up in Genesis chapter 1. Look at verse 11. It says, you see it on the screen, then God said, let the land produce what? Vegetation. Seed-bearing, look at this now, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds, and it was so. And so right in the beginning of the creation account, Genesis 1, God says everything starts as a seed, seed-bearing plants. It's going to bear seed. Have you ever heard this expression before that we, uh, you know, that you can count the number, we can count the number of seeds in an apple, but we could never, ever, only God could count the number of apples in a seed. You think about that. We, you know, you cut open an apple, and I love apples, by the way, and you could, you could cut it up enough, you could count, but you could never determine how many apples are going to come as a result of a seed because that, you know, an apple tree and then plenty of apples, and what happens is perpetuated, but everything starts as a seed. And what does a seed speak of? I want you to catch this now. A seed speaks of exponential possibilities, unlimited potential, but it doesn't start big. It doesn't start big. It starts. Are you with me on this? It starts as a tiny little seed. That's the seed principle. That's the first thought. Secondly, be sure you get this one now. Nothing is going to happen until the seed is planted. Nothing is going to happen until the seed is planted. Now, many of you know our daughter-in-law, who was in God's will up until July when moved up and took my grandbabies to Illinois. That point has been out of God's will ever since. I'm just kidding, of course. And uh, my daughter-in-law's best friend, uh, Jess, is here. Her and her husband, Pace, are part of our, our church, and she's from uh, you know, an area that, uh, that our daughter-in-law, Nicole, is from. I've mentioned this before. Some of you may not remember this, but our daughter-in-law's father, he's actually a farmer. And, uh, you know, I've, I've learned more about farming just hearing some of the stories. And, you know, I talk to Brent and Nicole all the time, and I FaceTime the babies a whole lot. How many of you know FaceTime is a gift from God? It really, really is. But uh, so, you know, I've become a little bit more familiar. In fact, I rode in a big combine last time I was up there. Been a city boy from Atlanta. There's not a lot of combines, you know, making the loop on 285. So that was a new experience for me. But I have learned enough to know that there are two major seasons. There's the season of planting and there's the season of harvest. There's the time of sowing and there's the time of reaping. Now, because less farms hundreds and hundreds of acres of, of corn and soybeans, I mean hundreds of acres of this, it's not like he can say, well, you know what? It's planting time. It's sowing time. I'm going to run down to Walmart, and I'm going to buy 12 packs you know, of seed, and I better get busy. Because of the volume of farming that he does, I mean the seed that has to be purchased is a staggering um, amount of money. And, I mean, Thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in seed. 
And I was thinking about it while working on this talk. In fact, I'm going to have a follow-up conversation with Les. And, and here's the deal. Uh, it would be if, let's just take uh, my daughter-in-law's father, for example. Let's say he, one of many, many, many farmers, was to go out and spend all of this money on seed because it is planting time, it is sowing time, and let's say, for example, because he knows how much money he has invested in seed that he gets up one day and he says, you know what, I've spent so much money on, on this seed, I'm afraid to plant it. What if, there's, what if there's not a harvest? What if nothing ever, you know, takes place? Uh, you know, I, I want to you know, protect my investment. And so the seed being as expensive as it is, I'm afraid to plant it. Well, that would be, uh, you know this, he especially knows this, that would be absolutely foolish. Because if you never plant the seed, there's never going to be a harvest. The, the time of reaping would never become a reality. And friends, this is what you and I need to know, that the natural law of farming is certainly comparable to the spiritual law of tithing. You have to plant seed if there's going to be a harvest. If you say, well, I'm just not going to do it, and you have reasons why you're not going to do it, and you're not going to plant seed and expect a harvest, then you're really wasting your time. Because you can't reap a harvest if you don't plant seed. It requires faith to give first. And this is why so many Christians, and it saddens me, and this is why I want to help many of you that are not yet tithing, and you know who you are, but I, I don't want you to miss out on the blessings that God wants you to experience in your life. And you may have many reasons. And you may say, well, you know, I'm, I'm just a person that I've got a, an angle on God. I've got an angle on God as it relates to financial matters. I've got an, I, I, see a, I see a different way, and I don't have to go God's way of tithing to receive the blessing that God wants to bring. And I'm just saying, you know, friend, I just wouldn't try it. Because how many of you know this? God's way is always the best way. And you and I are not smarter than God. We weren't yesterday. We're not going to be tomorrow. We're not going to be next year smarter than God. It requires faith. And I was thinking about it while working on this talk. I was thinking about there are so many farmers, not just Christian farmers. There are so many non-Christian farmers that have more faith than Bible-believing Christians do. Can I say that again? So many farmers, non-Christian farmers, that have more faith than even Bible-believing Christians do because they have the faith that if they plant the seed, there's going to be a harvest. And many, many Christians say, well, I, I, I just, I, I don't have enough faith. I believe that if I give God 10% of my income, there's not going to be enough. And, and God says faith requires us to go first. And a lot of times we think, well, you know what I'm going to do? I, I'm going to wait on God and see what happens. And, and I just want you to know, listen, it is not we're going to wait on God. Can I put it this way? God is waiting on you. Why would God bless us with a great harvest if we're unwilling to sow the seed? Now, this is such a powerful spiritual principle that Jesus acknowledged it in his own death. Look at John 12, 24. This is on the screen. He said, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains what? A single seed. 
But if it dies, what does it do? It produces many seeds. And Jesus was saying, it's an analogy. He was saying, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to demonstrate this with my own life. I'm going to go first. And all of us are glad that Jesus went first because he died for our sins before we could get our act cleaned up. It wasn't like Jesus said, you know, once you become a really good person, then I'll die for you. Jesus went first. And because of it, millions and millions of people have been and will be saved. All right, let me give you now the third principle because I want to hurry. The third principle, be sure you get this one now, whatever I sow is what I will reap. Whatever I sow is what I'm going to reap. Now, it's funny to think about it, but I remember this so vividly that when I was a kid, there was a particular time, and I only remember one time ever, that my parents decided that they were going to plant a garden. Now, we lived in Atlanta, uh, you know, for most of my life, but there was a, a small amount of time when we moved to South Georgia. We didn't move to the town my dad was from. Uh, anybody here ever hear of Moultrie, Georgia? Moultrie. Have you really heard? Of, that's where my dad was born and raised. And there's a lot more farming going on around Moultrie, Georgia than within the city limits of Atlanta. And so we just never had the kind of yard where there could be a garden, but we moved we moved to South Georgia, and there's this huge backyard that we have, and my parents decided that they were going to plant a garden. And I don't think I'd ever really been around a garden, uh, you know, and you can feel sorry for me in that regard. You ought to, but I'd never been around a garden. And so it was intriguing to me. It was interesting to me. But you know what I noticed? If you plant potatoes, you do not reap strawberries. You just don't. You don't. If you plant cucumbers, you do not reap peanuts. If you plant beans, you're not going to have fresh, ripe, red tomatoes. What you sow is what you are going to reap. How many of you believe that? If you sow this, guess what you're going to reap? You're going to reap what you planted. Now, this is also true with the spiritual law of sowing and reaping. Read this verse with me. It's up here on the screen. Everybody read it with me. Help me out. Do not deceive yourselves. No one makes a fool of God. You will reap exactly what you plant. And it's quite remarkable when you think about it. This is not just true. This, you know, we're talking about it as a financial principle because the Bible talks a lot about it, but it's true in so many components of life. It's not just true in farming, and it's not just true in giving, but this principle, it's a spiritual law, and it works in so many areas, in, in fact, including relationships. And I'll give you a quick example before we move on. How many of you know if you're a person in the context of a relationship and you are always sowing anger into that relationship, what do you think you're going to reap? It's not a trick question. It's really not. I know you lost an hour. I know this. I value that. If you sow anger, what are you going to reap? You're probably going to reap anger. If you show hate or sow hate or hostility, you're, you're probably going to reap that. Now, I know nobody here would, would want to do that. I'm just saying in the, in the relational dynamics, if you sow strife, what are you gonna, you're probably going to reap strife? Generally speaking, when you're always about strife, people aren't happy about it, and, and they don't treat you necessarily in peaceful ways. But what if you just said, hey, in, in my relationships, I'm going to sow peace? What do you think you're going to reap? If, if I sow kindness, if I sow love. Here's a verse, an uh, interesting verse, talking about, you know, uh, 
what we sow, we're going to reap. Here's an interesting verse. Some of you have never seen this verse before, and I could probably be safe in saying that nobody here has claimed this next verse as your life verse, but I want you to take a look at it because it even shows the law of sowing and reaping. Look at this. Whoever digs a pit for others, what's going to happen? Will fall into it. You're going to reap what you sow. How about this imagery? Think about this word. Uh, Whoever tries to roll the boulder down on others. Like, you know what I thought of when I read this verse? Any of you remember Roadrunner? All right. Just just saying. Whoever tries to roll a boulder down on others, what's going to happen? Will be crushed by it. What is the Bible talking about here? The Bible is talking about the law, the spiritual law of sowing and reaping. The truth is this, what you sow, you're going to reap. It applies to every area of our life, but especially to our finances. Number four, I will always reap. You got to get this now. I will always reap more than I sow. I will always reap. This is a principle. I'm not, this is not something that I just, you know, had a lot of pizza last night, which I didn't. I would like to, but I didn't. And I just imagine this. This is what the Bible says. I will always reap more than I sow. Just let's go back to this farming analogy for just a moment. If you were to plant, let's just say that you're going to plant corn. And how many of you, how many of you love corn? Corn, corn on the cob, hot butter, a little bit of pepper. That's what we're going to have in heaven. It's part of the marriage supper of the Lamb. I just uh, have some insight into that. But if you were to plant a kernel of corn, do you reap? Think about this. Do you reap just one kernel of corn? No. There's going to be a stalk of corn. There's going to be several ears on that stalk, and there's going to be several kernels on every ear of corn that is on that stalk. This garden that I told you that my parents planted, you know, years ago, one and only time, my mother, you know, my dad was raised in South Georgia. My mother was a city girl raised in Atlanta. She knew nothing about gardening or farming, but she decided, and to this day, I still do not know why my mom decided that she wanted to plant pumpkins. It's not like we were eating pumpkins all the time or that she is making pumpkin pies every week, but she decided that she, and I kid you not, I can still, even though I was a child, I can see this in my mind, how that these pumpkins, it was like vines that grew out of our yard, up over the fence, across our yard, and was encroaching on our neighbors, and fortunately they were our friends. And it was just She got, let me just put it this way, mom planted pumpkin seeds, but she got a lot more than what she sowed. Read this next verse with me, Mark 4, 8. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up. What did it do? It grew. Read the rest with me. And produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. The pumpkins, I think, were 200 times. Exponential. But you're always, listen, this is a spiritual law. And God will back it up. I will always reap more than I sow. The last two. Number five. Be sure you get it. I can increase my harvest by planting more seed. I can increase, this is a spiritual law. I can increase my harvest by planting more seed. According to God's word. According to God's word, we will always reap in proportion to what we sow. That's what the Bible says. We will always reap in proportion to what we sow. All right? Plant a little seed. What can you expect as a harvest? Talk to me. Again, it's not a trick question. 
plant small amount of seed, what are you going to, what are you, small harvest, right? If, on the other hand, you plant a generous or expanded amount of seed, then what can you anticipate? An increased harvest, a larger harvest. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking. You may be thinking, is that really in the Bible? Pastor Jeff, is that really in the Bible? Absolutely. There's other examples of this that I could show you, but just for time's sake, I want to show you a couple of verses out of 2 Corinthians 9. Look at them. This is, this is backing that up. It says it more clear than I certainly could ever. Remember this, whoever sows what? Sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Everybody read the last part. For God loves an angry giver. For God loves a cheerful giver. God is saying, you know what? If you sow, if you give more from what I gave to you in the first place, then here's what I'm going to do. You do that, and you do it with the right attitude, with a cheerful attitude. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to entrust more to you. You sow sparingly. What's your harvest going to be? Sparingly. You sow generously. You're going to reap generously. And God is saying, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to entrust more to you. Now, why would God do that? God would do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, our attitude was right. It wasn't like, I, am, I really don't want to do this, but I know as a Christian, I ought to do it. I'm not happy about doing it because I'd really like to use this money for me because I would like more of what I've already got. And so I'm going to give it out of, you know, spiritual moral obligation. Well, that's not an attitude that God is going to bless. God said, I'm going to bless a cheerful attitude. And, you know, you sow sparingly, you reap. You know, you get what you sow. You sow generously, then you're going to reap generously. Now, lest anybody be confused, are you, are you think that I am, you know, em- embracing or, or trying to promote a, a prosperity gospel? I, I want you to know that is the furthest thing from the truth. In fact, any time I hear what is the notion of the prosperity gospel. I've just got to tell you, and I'm not trying to offend anybody here, but it, it just, on the inside of me, it just, I, it, I'm just like, ah, and, and I'm not doing that. Uh, you know, I, because, and I'll tell you why I wouldn't do that, because I don't think God is sitting around heaven saying, you know what I really want my kids to get? I want my sons and daughters. I want them to capture the spirit of getting. I don't think God is saying that. You know what I think God is saying? I want my sons and daughters, I want my children to capture a spirit of giving, not getting. But it is undeniable. I mean, we can talk about it all day long, but it's undeniable. God said, if you put me first, if you sow, then here's what's going to happen. You're going to reap. You sow a small, you know, sparingly, what do you expect? sparing harvest so generously. And God rewards generosity. Look at this verse on the screen, and I'm just about done. Proverbs eleven twenty four. It says, the world of the generous gets what? Larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. <coughs> Excuse me. So maybe what you'd say is, you know, God, if this principle is true, if it's really true, and I think the Bible backs it up, <coughs> 
that I can increase my harvest by planting more seed, then maybe you just want to say, you know, how can I, over time, <clears throat> become more progressive with what's entrusted to me? I'm hearing it more and more, people who are saying, you know what? <coughs> Excuse me. I don't have to live on everything that I make. I don't have to live on everything that I make. I can increase my generosity. And maybe some of you are just, you know, you just say, how, how can I do that in my life? I don't have to have, I mean, at what, and I think about this so often in my own life, at what point is enough enough? Does that make sense to you? At what point is enough enough? And then what are some things that I can do to more and more advance, to become more progressive in my giving, to look for more opportunities, to be able to take what God has blessed me with and to sow some seed? What if your giving or generosity were to become more progressive? God, this is what I've done in the past, but this is what I want to do now. This is what I've done in the past, past, but this is what I want to do in the future. I want to plant more and more seed. Last truth. It's a spiritual law, the law of sowing and reaping. Last one, it'll take me just a moment to share it, and it is this. I need to start planting now. I need to start planting now. Remember what we looked at earlier? Nothing is going to happen until the seed gets planted. And we do this all the time with so many areas of our life. I hear it all the time. I've said many, not all of these things, but I've said many of these things in my own life over time. Well, one day I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in better shape. People say that. One, one day person says, one day I'm going to stop smoking because I know it, it'll help my health. One day I'm going to start. One day I'm, I'm going to do this. One of these days. And, you know, thank you so very much. He's trying to be generous. <laughs> Craig said he's trying to be generous. Thank you, Craig. You are a generous guy. Thank you. But uh, one of these days, in fact, someone has written this. I thought this was unique. I never read it before. One of these days means none of these days. One of these days means none of these days. Well, one of these days, this is what I'm going to do. Look at Ecclesiastes 11.4. It says this, those who wait for perfect weather will never, what? Plant seeds. Those who look at every cloud or make every excuse will never harvest crop. There's always a reason to wait. There's always another excuse. Well, one of these days, one of these days is none of these days. Well, no, friends, if you and I are serious about doing what God wants us to do, what do we need to do? We don't need to put off planting seed. We need to start planting now. How many of you know this? In anything, if we wait for perfect conditions, we'll never get anything done. If we wait, okay, now everything is aligned just perfectly. Now I'm going to do something. Often the time to start doing something is when it makes the least amount of sense. And this is what I want you to know, and then we're done. The sooner, hear this now, the sooner you plant seed, the sooner you reap harvest. It's a spiritual law. Well, I'll get around to it one day. Well, why delay the harvest? The sooner I plant seed, the sooner will come a harvest. Last verse, 2 Corinthians 9, 10 Look at it there on the screen. This is what it says. For God who gives seed to the farmer to plant and later on good crops to harvest and eat because you plant, you're going to harvest, will give you more and more seed to plant and will make it grow so that you can give away more and more fruit from your harvest. The time to plant is now. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and reach into your bulletin 
If you're on our church's mailing list, you would have already received a, a letter from us and uh, a tithing. It's called a 2017 Visioneering Card. And I want you to go ahead and take that, that out. And if somebody just hit the lights for me, that would be really helpful because I want you to be able to take a look at this card. And you guys can wait for just a moment. You can stand on the side. I'll, this is going to take me a second, and then I'll call you up in just a moment. Thank you for doing that. But I want everybody to take out this card, and I want you to look at it for just a moment. We ask you not to fill it out ahead of time. But take this card. If you don't have a card, just raise your hand and keep your hand up and keep it up until you, you get a, a card, and they'll bring one. If you don't have a card and an envelope, raise your hand and keep it up until they get you one. The ushers are moving around, and they're going to get that to you. If you've got a card but you don't have a pen, all right, I see that several of you need a card. If you have a card but you need a pen or whatever, just raise your hand if you need either one or, or both, all right? And, and while, you're, while you're waiting for a card or pen, I'm going to go ahead and just walk you through this for just a moment. You see a couple of boxes, two or three boxes here, three actually. And this, it says, first of all, I commit to tithe. What is a tithe? A tithe means 10% of my income. Now, there are a lot of you that are already doing this, and you're saying, I've, you're like me. You started tithing with your first job, and I did that. First job, I started tithing, and so I've been tithing all these years. have no regret about it. Best investment I've ever made. And so even though you're already tithing, you're committed to tithing, I want you, like a fresh commitment, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and check that box, those of you who are already tithing. I want you to go ahead and check that box, and then those of you who are saying, you know what, I believe, even though I haven't been doing it, I believe that tithing is what God wants me to do. And Pastor Jeff, I believe the Bible. Even what you were talking about this morning, I believe that when God talks about sowing and reaping, that if I plant seed, I'm going to reap a harvest. And again, it's not about, you know, you and I catching a spirit of getting, but the fact of the matter is the laws of sowing and reaping are undeniable. We ought to have the right heart, the right motive for why we do it, but the reality is you sow, you're going to reap. That's what the Bible says. And there are those of you who are saying, you know what? I've not really started, but I want to start planting seed now. And this is what God says. I haven't covered it this morning because I wanted to specifically talk about sowing and reaping. But you know the classic verse that God says, if you put me first, if you tithe, you put me first. If you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, see if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. And I just say this. Listen, friends, if you start tithing, now don't do it for one week and say, you know, I didn't get a windfall. You know what? Uh, but if you consistently tithe, and God does not meet your needs, then just say, I don't believe the principle anymore and stop. But this is what God says is going to open the floodgates of heaven, and God will bless. And so those of you who have said, you know what, I'm going to start planting seed. Maybe you've never tithed at all. Then you're going to say, I'm going to start tithing the next income that I receive. You go ahead and check the bots. We're not going to know, you know, whether you've been tithing or whether you're just starting, but you would check the bots. Now, here's the second area that I'd ask you to pray about. Now, if you're not tithing, that's where you want to start. You want to start there. But a lot of us have been tithing for a long, long time. And we only come to you one, t one time a year for what we, you know, for lack of a better expression, a, a development fund. And without taking a lot of time, because I want to hurry here, one of the things that you know, sort of the ministry philosophy of our church is the week to week, the, the tithing 
you know, that, that happens sort of the week-to-week. If it is a fuel, it is the funding of the week-to-week ministries of, of the church. Everything that we do, everywhere that we do it, but there are development, what we, why we call it a development fund, there are opportunities that we have or needs that we have or things that we need to do that just like any, any individual or, or any business for that matter, you, you just, you know, you're just gonna, you're gonna need to do some things and you know it's, it's gonna cost some resources. It's gonna cost some money to do it. And I wouldn't ask you to do this if I don't do it myself. I've done this, I'll continue to do it. I do it right now. But uh, if you'd go back, James, to, to some of the th- things that we're looking to do in 2017. All right, this is separate from the tithing bots that we all just checked. But uh, one of the things we're going to do in the fall, a Victory Leadership College launch a ministry leadership training program for students, 18 to 29, who sense a call to full-time ministry. Students will receive extensive practical ministry training and experience from Victory staff pastors while taking a full load of face-to-face and online Southeastern University accredited classes at its Victory Church Extension campus. All right? So one of the things we're going to do. Go to the, go to the next slide. Um, Children's space and amenities. A lot of you are like I am. You're, you're totally involved at both campuses, and we need to do improvement for kids and students at both locations. Uh, look down here at the bottom. This is specific to us. Upgrade ministry equipment and technology, some things that we need to do with lighting and some sound things that we need to do uh, that it, all, it costs more than you think that it costs. Believe you me. Go to the next one. Transportation, acquire a new full-size bus to replace the worn-out bus that transports kids' clubs, sidewalk Sunday school children, youth, rangers, and girls. Also acquire another 15-passenger minibus for transporting small groups, including seniors and those with special needs. And then property, that's north side that a lot of us are involved in, a campus master plan. So here's, here's what I'm asking you to do with the second boss is to just say, you know, what part of my income would I be willing to give toward the development fund for the next 12 months? We do this one, one time a year. We, don't, we come and there's like missions needs or when we're trying to help a project overseas, things like that. But uh, this is the one time of year when we come and we say, hey, there's some things that we would like to do and would need to do at both campuses. And would you consider helping us? Would you go above the tide? And would you say, hey, for the next 12 months, I can do this. And I'm telling you, friend, every bit of it helps in an enormous way. So if you would do that, you just check the bots. I commit to give whatever that is during the next 12 months to Vitry's Development Fund. And then this one last area would be as enclosed for the, if you want to make a special offering, Development Fund offering today, or you could do it online this week, just go ahead and check that bots and what you'd like. Put your information, you can put it in the envelope, and then we're going to pray. But let's pause. Father, we thank you for this day. God, I know that there are many, many people right now that, God, they've been tithing for a long, long time, and if they could stand up, they could give testimony after testimony and say, this indeed has proven that God is faithful to what he says. God has met my needs. God has taken the 10%, the tithe that I've given to him, and he's blessed it. And the 90% actually becomes greater than the 100% without the blessing of God. Lord, so many of us, we'd never back off of tithing, not even for a moment. We'll do it to the very day that we die. God, I know that for other people, it's a step of faith. And I just pray that you would give them the courage. And I pray that you would show them, God, that when they sow seed, 
they'll reap a harvest. That when they put you first, God, they set themselves up for you to move into their economy and for you to do things that otherwise would not happen. You promised you'd open the windows of heaven, pour them out a blessing. And I pray, pray for all of us who make a fresh commitment today, but especially for those who in the next check, the next bit of income that they receive, they're going to, for the first time, or they're going to make a recommitment to tithe again. Thank you for so many friends, God, who said, you know what, I'm going to go beyond the tithe. I spend so much money here, 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 here. I think I'd like to leverage some of my resources for kingdom advancement. I want to get behind some of these projects the church is doing. I want to, I want to be a part of that. As a church expands, as a church does ministry at a higher level each and every year, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that team. I thank you for everyone, God, that says, that joins me, my family, and just saying, God, we want to be a part of that and bless that. Bless the special offering. Meet every need, we pray. In Jesus' name. Everybody said. So once you've completed it, please hold steady. I'm going to come back as soon as these cards are collected, and I'll do a final prayer. It will just take us a moment to collect them. But once you've checked the appropriate boxes, put your name and information on there, just put it back in that envelope, and then just drop it in the popcorn bucket when it comes by. The band's going to play, and then I'll walk up and dismiss us as soon as they collect. Would you stand with me, everybody? Let's stand. And don't forget to be here next week. We're kicking off a brand new series, Seven Words from the Cross. It's going to be powerful. It's going to take us right up to Easter. Before we pray, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you that you're stepping out and that you're trusting God. And I'm praying and I'm believing that you're going to see, those of you who are going to start tithing for the very first time, you're going to see God bring blessings into your life that otherwise would not happen. I want to say thank you to those of you that are going to give in 2017 to help us do some of the things that otherwise, quite honestly, we just simply would not be able to do. Would you not go beyond the tithe? So I want to say sincerely, thank you for helping us to move the ball forward and to impact this community for Jesus' sake. How many of you believe that God's cause is a worthy, worthy cause? I've spent a lot of money on a lot of things over my life, but anything I've invested to advance the kingdom of God, I've never had regret about it. And I think you'll find the same to be true for you. So, Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for such an incredible church family. And now, Lord, 
show yourself faithful. As we sow seed, God, we thank you that you're going to help us to reap a harvest. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? I love you, everybody. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.